chapter number 10, Joshua chapter number 10, so Lord be our helper, uh, we want to preach a, through a few verses here, just try to mind the Lord, boy I'd like to see God do something with you, Amen. tell you it's been good to see these sinners get saved and God uh, begin to stir hearts, but I believe there's some more left yet to do. There's no business like God's business. I appreciate the Lord. Verse 22, begin our reading there. Then said, Joshua, open the mouth of the cave and bring out those five kings unto me out of the cave. And they did so, brought forth those five kings unto him out of the cave. The king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Lachish, and the king of Eglon. And it came to pass when they brought out those kings unto Joshua, that Joshua called for all the men of Israel, and said unto the captains of the men of war which went with him, Come near, and put your feet upon the neck of these kings. And they came near and put their feet upon the necks of them. And Joshua said unto them, Fear not, nor be dismayed, but be strong and of good courage. For thus shall the Lord do to all your enemies against whom you fight. And afterwards Joshua smote them and slew them and hanged them on five trees. And they were hanging upon the trees into the evening. It came to pass at the time of the going down of the sun that Joshua commanded and they took them down off the trees and cast them into the cave wherein they had hid and laid great stones in the cave's mouth which remaineth unto this day. Let's pray. Father, I pray God that you'd help us, Lord, to share your word. God, you spoke to our heart about these thoughts, and uh, you knew who'd be here. And so I pray, God, you'd help me to preach with unapologetic authority. I pray, God, that you'd help us preach with a demonstration of the Spirit. I I pray, Lord, that you'd help us preach with the compassion of a pastor. Lord, do that as only you can. In our midst, do the work, Lord, I beg. We'll thank you for all that you do in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now, when you come to the book of Joshua, Joshua, of course, took over after Moses died and led the children of Israel across Jordan and into Canaan's land. A lot of times in Baptist uh, songbook theology, we get it wrong. Amen. And uh, we talk about crossing Jordan as a picture of death and Canaan as a picture of heaven, but that's not so. Canaan is a picture of a victorious Christian life. It's a, it's a, it's a uh, picture of living in victory with the Lord Jesus Christ. And something that is a paradox, Brother Billy, is that the life that is full of blessing 
is also full of an intensive warfare. There's battles to be fought if you want to live in victory for the Lord Jesus Christ. Now let me pause and say this right here. It takes a man or woman of faith. It takes, let me say this, a real man and a real woman to be a Christian. Christian being a Christian is not for the faint of heart. It's not for the weak. But being a Christian is for the strong. When I read about Joshua and his conquests, I say, thank God. I'm glad the book of Joshua is dripping with toxic masculinity. Amen. I may have a pink jacket on today, but don't you misjudge me. I'm glad, thank God, that there are real men in this Bible doing real things. Amen. So Joshua here, in his life there in Canaan is a picture of a victorious Christian life. But if you'll study, you'll find that what happens is that Joshua makes a league with the Gibeonites. And when that happens, it scares all of the other kings of Canaan to death. And so five kings come together. And they decide they're going to go down and attack Gibeon and try to defeat Gibeon before Joshua can get down there to help them. But the Gibeonites send a a message and here comes Joshua, the man of God, the soldier of God, and the armies of Israel. And what happens is one of the greatest battles in all the Bible. And God made the sun stand still that day on the valley. He extended the daylight hours. Amen. And Joshua was able to go a-slaying all day and all night under the sun's bright beams as if it was the midday sun. God paused nighttime in order to allow Israel to wrought this great victory. I'm glad that I serve a God that's that big. Years ago, When I was a freshman at Western Carolina University, I was in a uh, a biology class. It was a huge auditorium bigger than this, probably 150 or so students in my class. And uh, to be honest, I didn't go to class a whole lot. But I remember the lady that uh, was teaching the class, she said on the last day of the class that the pastor of the First Baptist Church was going to come and he was going to talk about how that science and the Bible could go hand in hand. I said, boy, I've got to to hear this. And so I showed up for that class. And that uh, that jackleg fella, he just started telling about how that there was all these errors in the Bible. And this was one story that he brought up. He said, the Bible said that the sun stood still over Joshua. He said, now we know that that was impossible. Well, when he got done... I I was standing in line to ask him questions. And when it come my turn, he said, do you have a question? I said, no, I've got a statement. I said, if I didn't believe any more than you believe, I'd go home and sell my suits. I'd take my ordination certificate off the wall, and I'd go get me a real job. If God said the sun stood still, it stood still. If God said the sun did jumping jacks, then the sun did jumping jacks. Amen. I believe in a God that is that big. And so God paused the day in order that Israel could win the fight. Now when this happened, those five kings, it scared them to death. And so they went off and they cared in a cave. Now, 
This was proof that what had happened at Ai was no fluke. This was proof that the walls falling at Jericho was no happenstance. That Israel was a force to be reckoned with and a force to be feared because they had a God who was the God in heaven. And I say to you today, I'm convinced that the will of God is for the church to be respected and feared by society. But it no longer is. You know why the church is no longer feared and respected by society? It's because we as the people of God have lived carnal lives and we've squandered away the power of God in our personal lives and now there is nothing to fear from the church because the church world by and large is powerless. Here's what the Lord said. He looked at Peter and he said, Upon this rock I'll build my church and what? The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now that's an important, that's a particular statement. I want you to think about something. Put on your thinking caps. Jesus didn't say that the forces of hell would not prevail against it. He said the gates of hell would not prevail against it. Now gates, Brother Marvin, are something that cannot be moved. Gates are something that do not come on the attack. But rather gates are something to be attacked. You don't ever hear of a time when the gates of a city attacked another city. No, it's the, it's the armies of one military that attacked the gates of the city. And so what Jesus was saying was the church ought to be on the march. The church ought to be on the attack. The church ought to be in the battle. The church ought to be firing shots. The church ought to be making a difference. And the church should be something that's feared and respected. But in our day, The church is completely on the defensive. The church is hiding. The church is running. The church is scared of everything. We're scared that somebody's going to get on social media and say something about us. We're scared that somebody's going to start a rumor. We're scared that somebody's going to do this or somebody's going to do that. And every church operates from a basis of fear. And I want to tell you that the Bible tells me that God has not given us the spirit of fear. And I believe it's time that the church of the living God get all together and thoroughly right with God and get on the offensive. Go on the attacks of the gates of hell. I believe it's time that we start firing some salvos again. I think it's time that God's warriors start marching again and making a difference again and becoming something that's feared by this world and respected. We need to get back to this place where we're on the fight. Now, I want to notice three places that these five kings get. Before, and we'll see in the rest of this chapter, that Joshua makes an utter ruin of them kingdoms. As a matter of fact, if you read the rest of the chapter, you'll find six different kingdoms in one chapter that Joshua runs through. Six. But before he could run, Miss Karen, through those six, there was these five kings that he had to deal with. I want to preach this morning, if the Lord will help us, on putting our foot 
on the necks of sin. These five kings hid out in the cave. Joshua calls them out. He lays them down prostrate on the ground. And he tells his captains, he says, come here, put your feet on the necks of these kings. You know what, God, what Joshua is teaching the people? If they're going to be victorious, if they're going to take the fight to the enemy, these kings had to be dealt with in their lives. And they had to be destroyed. Can I say to you this morning, I believe there are things that will have to be dealt with if the church is going to go forward. I believe we're going to have to put our feet on some necks of sin. My friend, and carnality that's in the church, if we ever want to see, God, if we ever want to see us move forward and do something for God in this day and age. I want to give you three places that I see these kings. Number one, I find the kings hiding. In a cave, they've run away. These were great men with great power and great armies, and yet they're hiding in a cave. Now, how is it, Brother Neil, that Joshua was able to get these men to hide. Well, uh, I can sum that up, Brother Billy, in one word, and that's the word Gilgal. Five different times in Joshua 10, you'll find a reference to the place of Gilgal. Now, Gilgal was the place where they encamped after they crossed Jordan. Uh, and uh, back in Joshua chapter number 4, uh, they have a Gilgal experience. Uh, they cross over Jordan. They set up camp. Uh, and it's from the camp of Gilgal uh, where they begin to set their attack. Uh, and begin to, And you'll find as you read uh, through, uh, through this uh, Joshua 10 uh, that in the beginning of the battle, uh, Joshua comes up from Gilgal. Uh, in the middle of the battle, uh, Joshua goes back to Gilgal. Uh, and at the end of the battle, uh, he goes back to Gilgal. Gilgal. Now watch this. Gilgal was a place of remembrance. It was a place where they had went down in a picture of death into Canaan. It was a place of resurrection. It was a place where with their leader they had came up victorious. It was a place of remuneration. They cast off the weights of the wilderness and they left them behind yonder at Gilgal. It was a place of restoration where they came into fellowship with the Lord. It was a place of realization where they began to taste the good meats of the land. And it was a place of revelation where they met the captain of their army with a drawn sword and learned about following the Lord's plan in other the words Gilgal uh, is a picture of the old rugged cross of Calvary. Uh, I'm glad I had a Golgotha experience in my life one day. Uh, I went down a sinner. Uh, I came up resurrected unto new life uh, and I got a captain. Uh, my friend uh, Joshua fought uh, from Gilgal. I want to make a statement right here and I hope you amen me just a little bit. Uh, if we're going to defeat the enemy uh, we're going to have to fight not on our own power uh, but on the power of the cross. We are soldiers of the cross. Thank God for Calvary. And if we're going to defeat sin, we're going to have to fight in the power of the cross. They came up from Gilgal. During the battle, they went and returned to Gilgal. At the end of the battle, they were back at Gilgal. I'm glad, thank God, there's power in the blood. 
I didn't tell Gabe what to sing this morning. When he went singing that song, I said, whoop, thank you, Lord. There's power in the blood. Brother Neil, I'm glad, thank God, on a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and pain. Boy, I tell you, I was asking one of the missionaries over there, Brother Jim in Scotland. He's talking about how in that city of Dundee, how hard the people were. And he said, we've been sinning, John and Romans. He said, this will be our third, this will be our third time taking John and Romans to the city of Dundee. I said, have you got any response? He said, no. He said, the first time we took it, we'd knock on the door and nobody'd come, slide it through the mail slot and walk away. He said, our second canvas, we took John and Romans and slid it through the door and knocked on the door and they'd peek out through the blinds but they wouldn't come and answer the door and so we'd walk away but he said on that third canvas he said we'd knock and they'd open and they'd take it from us and want to talk to us about it he said you know what was happening he said when you put the gospel in them homes he said it softens the ground and it softens the ground and it softens the ground I'm glad thank God for the power of the gospel I'm going to tell you something, Brother Billy. This book right here is powerful. Hey, man, we've sat around and sniveled too long, church. Hey, I'm telling you, I don't care who's in the White House, who's in the courthouse. I don't, I don't give a flying flip. Uh, listen to what I'm telling you this morning. Uh, Jesus is on the throne. Uh, hey, I said he's on the throne. Uh, anybody with me this morning? Uh, this is a powerful word. Uh, it's a hey, uh, it's a life-changing word. Uh, and you and I fight from the position of Calvary. We got the power of the resurrected Savior behind us. Uh, why would we cower in fear when the power of the Resurrection is on our side. Whoop! I'm telling you the truth now. We got a power of a resurrected Savior on our side. God help us. Let's put some kings in a cave. Huh? A power of the resurrected Savior. And so that we see because they fought. Because they fought from the authority, uh, my friend of Calvary, we see these kings hiding. Let me, let me just say one more thing about that. Greater is he that is in you than he's in the world. Now, some of you, your flesh has convinced you you can't live without some of your sin, but that's a lie. There's one, if you're saved, there's one in you that's greater than them things you're doing. You say, I can't quit it. You can quit it. Listen, Jesus sent this preacher by to tell you today, you can quit it. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You say, preacher, I don't understand. I, you don't understand. I'm addicted. I'm addicted. I can't stop. I can't. I'm telling you, you can. Whoop. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, you can. You can stop because you got one. If you're saved, you got one on the inside of you that's greater than everything that's attacking you. You say, preacher, you don't understand where I'm at. You don't understand what I'm going through. 
I'm going to tell you that regardless of that, the Bible is clear uh, that the powers of Satan have no hold uh, over the child of God uh, that wants to break free and live for him. Uh, hey, God, God guaranteed us uh, that the power that's inside of us uh, is stronger than the power that's attacking us. So the king's hiding. But then there's the king's humbled. Well, the Bible said in verse number 24, The Bible said there in verse number 24 and it came to pass when they brought out those kings unto Joshua that Joshua called said unto the captains of the men of war come near and put your feet on the necks of these kings. Here there is an example of the power of God over it all. You say preacher I'd like to quit fill in the blank. I'd like to quit lusting. I'd like to quit gossiping. I'd like to quit being jealous. I'd like to quit smoking. I'd like to quit drinking. I'd like to quit drugs. I'd like whatever it is, fill in the blank. I'd like to quit. I want to tell you something. It's impossible without the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. But with God, all things are possible. With God, he can lay prostrate at your feet all of those things that are holding you back. Now, I'm not preaching some strange name it and claim it, Joel Olstein gospel. I'm talking about dealing with sin. And I'm telling you, sin is what's killing our churches. People just simply will not do right. And we'll never go on the offensive, Brother Billy, until we take some of those things out of the cave and lay them on the ground and put our foot on the neck of them and say, I'm done. I'm a child of the King. I've been bought with a price. I'm indwelled by the Holy Spirit. I do not have to be, I do not have to be a slave to this. I can break its neck. I can move on. I can live in victory. I can walk in victory. And until we get to the place where we bring them into subjection, we're never going forward for God. Put their feet on the necks of those kings. Now I want to show you something. It's right here in the King James Bible. Look what Joshua said there in verse 24. He says, Come near, put your feet upon the necks of these kings. And they came near and put the feet upon the necks. Verse 25, And Joshua said unto them, Fear not, nor be dismayed, Be strong and of good courage, for thus shall the Lord do to all your enemies, watch this phrase, against whom ye fight. Listen to me. You'll never win victory over it until you start to fight it. Joshua did not guarantee them victory over the enemies that they refused to fight. You see, a lot of the problem in your life is because you will not agree to fight it. You'll go do it, get ashamed of it, and then ask God to help you not do it again. And you've done that a thousand times. 
but you've never took the bull by the horns and said, I'm going to fight this. And until you make up your mind to fight it, you can't ever expect God to help you win over it. Some of you that I'm preaching to this morning and things are, the Holy Spirit's bringing things to your mind and your heart, they're holding you back. The devil says, Ain't no way out of that. Don't listen to that preacher. Hey, you, you, you can't beat it. You can't beat it. The Holy Spirit's saying, why don't you grab that thing by the horns today and say, this right here is what's holding me back. And it's going to be a fight, but I'm going to fight it. I want to wrestle it to the ground, and I want to put my foot on its neck and say, I am done. Until we deal with sin, Brother Billy, we'll never go forward and subdue any other kingdoms. We see the kings hiding. We see the kings humbled. But then you'll note the kings hanging. Look at that next verse. Give me verse 26. And afterward, Joshua smote them, slew them, hanged them on five trees. And they were hanging upon the trees until evening. Now, someone could have said, that's a little overboard, Joshua. You've humiliated them. You've destroyed their kingdom. Run them back in that cave and put a rock over it and let them be. But Joshua knew as long as they were alive that he could never win victory over them. They had to be dead. He had to deal them, Brother Allen, death blow. You know, There's a lot of times that sin comes up in my life, Brother Billy, and I'll deal with it, but I won't kill it. I leave the ability. I leave the temptation. And instead of destroying it, it's still there. I'm preaching to somebody. Joshua said, It's not enough put our foots on their necks and humiliate them. It's not enough. He said, we've got to hang them from some trees. You know what needs to happen on a Sunday morning to Concord Baptist Church? They need to be some of you that are saved by the grace of God that say, you know what, enough's enough. I've had it with this. It's just one thing. And it's my hang up and it keeps hanging me up. And I'm miserable. Life does not hold a lot of appeal to me. I'm just miserable and I know that I could live in victory and I know I could be happy and I know I could feel the presence of the Lord again in my life if I'm just willing to grab a hold of this and fight and say I want to do something about this. I want a difference. I want things to be better. If I'll just grab a hold of it and fight it, I know the Lord will help me win my battles. I'll give you this right here. I'm going to give an altar call. Justice, come on, get on the piano. As Joshua is walking away, I don't mean to be gruesome, but sometimes the Bible's just gruesome. There's five limp bodies hanging from a tree. Crows and buzzards are circling. Them old limp bodies hanging from that tree. Joshua draws his sword. 
he says, those five are behind. And he makes a run through six nations. And again and again, the Bible says, and the Lord was with Joshua, and the Lord helped Joshua, and the Lord blessed Joshua. You say, preacher, I sure would like to win. I'm tired of losing. I sure would like to win. It'll never happen till you leave that stuff hanging on them trees. I'm fixed to give an altar call. I preached the loss last two or three times that I preached on Sunday morning. But this morning I preached the church. We've been talking about making a difference in our community and starting to fire some shots, starting to attack the gates. We just wells to give up on all that if you ain't going to take care of the things that are king in your life. I wonder this morning, how many of you have got something that you ought to put your foot on its neck? Say, I'm done with this. I wonder how many of you have got something that you ought to leave hanging in a tree? Say, I'm done with it. I'm going to go forward and live for Jesus. Let's stand our feet. Father, Lord, you helped us great liberty this morning. I pray that you touch hearts around this congregation. Lord, do a work. Draw us near unto thee. We'll thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I wonder who's be the first this morning to say, Preacher, I want to live in here. Preacher, I want to take care of things in my life. There's things I need to leave hanging. Things I need to put my foot on the neck of. I want the church to go on the offensive. I want the church to go on the attack. Won't you come? Preacher, I want to walk in victory. I'm done with defeat. I want to walk in victory. I want to feel the move of the Holy Spirit in my life. I'm so tired of being a guilty distance. I'm so tired of walking a guilty distance. The flesh has told me that I can't. But I'm reminded today that I can. As these gather around the altar for prayer.